The thing about sports, or in our case, the great game of hockey, is watching and absorbing live. Last night, sitting in the hockey basement after coming back from the pub, watching the later games and storylines, I got to give ESPN credit with Chelios and Messier in the booth. Real life, real drama, real TV was the old TSN line. Watching Ovi, but a boom, but a bing. And then every time he was on, they brought the graphic up. They they know how to kind of Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa the moments. And then Ovi does it. Not just hitting 800, doing it with 20 goals, doing it with a hat trick. And then what was supposed to be what Bugs Bunny said, it can never be done. They thought he couldn't do it, but he will. 25 goals over the next three years. If he gets 20 more this year, is 895, Craig. That's if he just plays till he's 40. If he plays till he's 42 or 44, dare I talk about 1,000. You love him. I love him. Remember when he wore the black hat? He wore a black hat for a while. Now it's just, it's a treat to watch, Craig. What were you thinking watching those three last night? Well, you know, it's it, it, it's interesting because I, I, I think about Ovi and you think about, you know, 50 goals last year. He had 50 goals last year. <laughs> like if, if he slows down to just 35 a year, he'll he'll break it not next season, but the year after, right? Like, you, you know, that, I mean, that's where this guy is at. Uh, what's, what's fascinating to me about Alexander Ovechkin, and, and it, it, I get we have records and you want to see somebody hold on to a record. It was a time not too many years ago when we when we present, is it possible? Is it possible? Could he do it? The only thing now is, is how much is he going to exceed 894 by? It's not if he's going to get to 894 and 895. It's by how much more will he get over it? And I don't think there's any question about it. But, but recent days, oh, he's getting empty net goals. I said, oh, really? What, what's wrong with empty net goals? Like, you know, power play goals, like, you know what is it like, it becomes like, it's almost like they want to make a narrative to like knock them down. Like, you know what? Let's stop it. Like, you know what? Bottom line is Alexander Ovechkin is, is a brilliant goal scorer. I'll finish with this on Ovi and, and this point. From the day he entered the league, Steve, every single goaltender knew what was coming. Every single team knew what was coming <laughs> and nobody can stop him. Nobody can stop Alex Ovechkin. They've tried, and they're not going to stop him from getting to 895 either. It's about 1,000. And had he not missed yeah. the first year, now there were lockouts and strikes for Gretzky too. But, then you do score effect on, I mean, look at the 81-82 season. You know what we averaged there? Highest goals per game ever. Like in the 80s were the 80s partly because of the Oilers and Gretzky. I'm not taking that. We love Wayne. It's kind of like Wayne probably sitting there going, I'm more of an assist guy anyway. The fact that I had this number for so long. <laughs> not my fault. It's everybody else's fault. You know, not my fault. I got 92. You know, I just did things that nobody had ever done before. And now losing the lockout. If he got 50 in his first real year, he would have got at least 40 as a rookie. Now the math that you, you're talking about him just getting to 35. I'm being very conservative and saying 20 more the rest of this year. That's 820. 820 from 894 is 74, plus one is 75, divided by three is easy math. That would be a 38, 39, 40, 25, 
25 years for Ovi is a terrible year. He's never had a terrible. No, you're saying, well, he's getting older. Somebody gave me these numbers this morning because I wouldn't have crunched them. In the last five years, his goals per game is higher than they were the previous five. (laughs) (laughs) 50 goals last year, Steve. 50 goals last year. and, 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 you know, I don't know how many times we've done this, you and me, over the years. 2005, after a season lost, and Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin enter the league. It's the Christmas season, Steve. And these two players have done nothing but provided gifts to the National Hockey League. And you know what's amazing in their 18th NHL seasons? They're still providing gifts. They still wrap it up and put a bow on it, and they are still magnificent. 18th season for both of them. Think about that. 18 seasons of utter brilliance. And zero bad years. And if you want to talk about a bad year for Ovi, I think it was 32 goals or something. Like, think about that for a moment. You know what I mean? And the only thing that didn't work for Sydney was when he was hurt. You know what I mean? So then, but when he came back, remember the drama when we were doing That's Hockey Tonight? And, oh, Jason Palter was through the roof and here comes Sid. And it's like when Mario returned. We've got so much great drama and excitement. And now everyone wants it. I think Wayne honestly wants it. And he'll follow Ovi around three years from now or two years from now, the way Phil Esposito did. And I remember seeing that and people said, they remember when Gordy followed away. Like all of that kind of stuff is just the passing of the torch of our sport and certain numbers that make you go, oh my goodness. I don't know if you think of another record that might now fall that was one what we thought would never fall. Like when Wayne finished, the only thing we could talk about is Ovi going to do it better than 1487. Like, I don't really care. But if he does, then that's another way of saying, well, Ovi did it in 1480. You know what I mean? Like, you got to compare apples and apples. When we compare goalies winning now, wait a minute, Ken Dryden never had a shootout win. Ken Dryden's Montreal Canadiens didn't play three on three. Even even Wayne didn't get that advantage. So some of those comparables uh, we have to take into account. Like Bernie Perrant, he would have won a lot more games in 74 and 75 if he had, you know, the game didn't end. So we have to be... You know, it's our job, Craig, to do those things, to make the comparable. But right now, looking at this, I don't know if there's another number you think is a wow number that is going to fall. But this is great, and it's fun, and Obi's making it magical. He's not limping to 800, limping to what might be 820 and above. He's blasting. He is a tank. Like, he, that's the thing is Ovi is not breaking down. And you talked about slowing down. Did you talk to someone recently about the slowing down of Crosby and Ovechkin? Oh, okay. Well, let me know when you see it, right? Give me the video, Craig. <laughs> Give me the video. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, if you wanted to do if you wanted to do diagnostic testing on Ovechkin and uh, Sydney and say, hey, listen, you know what? We're going to do some diagnostic testing and see, you know, where, where the engine is. Maybe their engine needs retooling. You know what? They got Ferrari engines. And, th- and those engines, just put oil in them. Just put oil in them and keep them tuned up because they have been unbelievable. Two records I, I, I think will never, ever be broken. So I'm going to go with the two that I don't think will ever, ever, I don't think anybody will ever come close to it, ever. Wayne Gretzky's 2,800 plus points, <laughs> like not, not happening. And Mike Bossy, nine straight 50 goal seasons or more. 
I, I just don't think that that the, the, those are two that can never ever happen. You know, you think think about Mike Bossy. He enters the league, scores fifty, and he retires in his tenth after his tenth season because he only I think he scored thirty eight in his last season, and in between fifty or more in, in nine consecutive seasons. Think think about like. 50 or more nine consecutive seasons. Like, can you imagine, uh, uh, Steve, I know in management, we would sit down and we would talk about what's realistic goals for, for this player. What do we think our team can get? You tally it up. You kind of look at this player. You look at the history. Oh, if he gets two more goals, okay, well, we can do this and do that. Can you imagine you're Bill Torrey and Al Arbor and you just go, well, we got 50 plus with this guy. <laughs> Take it to the bank, fifty plus. It's it, it like it 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 baffles me to think what he did. And you know, I know we talked about this previously. We celebrate a thousand points. Wayne Gretzky did it three times. He did it three times, <laughs> like like utter brilliance. So I, I don't know. Playoff wins, maybe it's gonna. I I don't see that. Patrick Watt ended up on teams that went deep in the playoffs. Obviously, won four times. You know, Marty Berdur's all-time win record. You know, they, they seem out of reach. But like you talk about with 894, you know, we thought that was out of reach. You know, perhaps perhaps those are ones that I – and I put it into the goalie run. Because you think about all-time wins, and, and remember, context, shootout wins. You know, games like, you know, there's an opportunity now for goaltenders to add some wins to their to their, uh, to their stats because of that. Yeah, and well, I mean, people have said to me, 502 and then leaving game 503 for Glenn Hall without a mask. So that's never going to happen because nobody's allowed to play without a mask. Playing 502 consecutive games completed and starting 503, that's so that's kind of almost in a impossible category because it's not legal anymore. So so that's not going to happen. Mike Bossy's average of 5 73 divided by 10 is 57.3. So that's not going to happen. Nobody's <laughs> So that's kind of like not going to happen. I hope 50 and 39 doesn't happen. If it does, God bless the guy that does that. And remember yeah. Wayne did that with five, you know, <laughs> and had to call his dad on the pay phone. And there were, the answer to the trivia question, who was the net for it? Nobody. Bill Barber, because they pulled their goalie <laughs> and he was with it. So things that we remember that, uh, like, I get chills thinking about that. Like, I, it just makes you go, just like seeing Bobby Orr live and being lucky enough to see him and the way he was booed. Like, they booed Orr and Espo. And they booed him, not with vitriolic anger. They booed him to try to tell him how great he was, but don't be great tonight. Like, it, not like you boo Eichel, you know, like just different. Um, and I love it. I did think 894 was off my list. Now it's more about 1,000. It's like where between 900 and something OV. Like, I think Sid and OV love the game so much. They're going to keep playing, but they're not pl like they're not going to play to be the third liner who's going to get 37 points that year. They they will not tarnish their legacies like that, Craig. You know what I'm saying? Like, they would not do that. Like, even Wayne in his last year knew, nine goal, like, this is going to be it. Like, I'm for me, I'm done, right? For me, I'm done. So they're going to go out. Like, when Sackett went, that's it. Like, Joe came into the league. I'm not ready yet. Went back to the Western Hockey League. When he was done, look at his last year. That wasn't an eight-goal, seven-assist. <laughs> like, Brett Hall, I quit. I'm not on the five-on-three. I, I quit. Like, it's not like Paul quit when he wasn't on the five on three. He looked around and goes, I'm out of here. Like, they're going to go out, but I think it's for sure at, at least 40. Like, we're going to still get these guys for a few more years. And I get excited talking about it. And uh, Ovi, when did he change? When did the black hat become 
Like, when did people go because they didn't want them to succeed? And then we've gone to that too. Oh, Obi, we love Obi now. We love him. Well, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, Steve, in, in, in any in any walk of life and in, in any there's a xenophobia that exists. And, you know, as much as we might pretend that it doesn't or hope that it does, and it does. And, you know, it's it's the way it is. I, I remember years ago, Steve, you know, we were in, in, in scouting meetings and you'd get into this. Oh, yeah. Well, the players from Quebec, those players from Quebec. Oh, the, the, the why would you want a European and everything? Right. Like, you know, and I remember sitting there and I remember thinking to myself, you know, like and I didn't I, I, I didn't really speak up forcefully. I said, I can only tell you this. I've seen a lot of players from all over the world that were highly competitive. I've seen players from all over the world that maybe weren't highly competitive, but to just start labeling this country and players from that country or this region of the world uh, of the world as, as this or that, I don't think is unfair. And Bob Ganey, Bob Ganey turned to everybody and he said, you know what? One of the toughest players I ever played with was Shell Dahling. Just, it's like, you know, like, so, so Bob went to, so what was somebody going to say to Bob? You're wrong. <laughs> like, you know, and he talked about how skilled Shell was and, you know, he ended up getting some injuries and everything, but, but I'll never forget that, you know, just like in Bob, just in, in his own manner, just like the toughest players I ever played. It was, it was the statement that just said, you know what? Like he validated what I was saying and he just said, let's not have this conversation ever again. <laughs> right. And so I don't know. I mean, xenophobia exists and you know what you, you and me aren't going to fix that. That's longstanding. And at, at the same time, you know, you, you, we should celebrate the game is international and you know, we're, we're doing uh, on Thursday, we're releasing at TSN, the core four under 24 which is the each organization's top four players under the age of 24. Now and then we rank them one to 32 and then we do a top 50 list. Okay. So it's 24 years of age. Like you have to be under 24 at the beginning of the NHL season. There's 10 countries represented in the top 50 players, 10 countries, Steve. <laughs> think about that. You don't think our game is international and that includes a German that includes an Austrian. That includes a Swiss player. Like, you know, it's not just, you know, that. So it is truly an international sport. And we should celebrate the the skill and the brilliance of, of the players that play it and play it at such a high elite level. Okay, folks, it's time now for KB on Ice. KB on Ice, brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction's Canada Sportsbook, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. We've had some good ones, some not so good ones. Give us some good ones today, Craig. Well, well, I'm going to go with two. And, and it, Calgary's at home versus the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I, I think that the expectation for the Calgary Flames is much different than where they perform. I don't know if it was much different for the Vancouver Canucks, but they found themselves in a, in a, in a spot where maybe they can challenge for a playoff spot. Maybe they can. I think it's a must win for the Calgary Flames. Jacob Marshall played really good on Monday. I think it's a must win. They don't win this one. They might have to be looking at retooling some areas of their team and making some changes. That's what I think. So I'm going with the Flames to win at home. Might be a high scoring affair. I'm not so sure Jacob Marshall's all the way back. Thursday. Thursday. In Washington. 
Ovechkin breaks the record. He gets 801 and 802 to move into second place all time. And the Caps win at home. I love it. I'm not touching that one. Ottawa beats Montreal <laughs> Wednesday. Carolina smothers Seattle. Back to reality. Back to life. Back to reality. Sports Interactions Canada Sportsbook. Log on to SIA forward slash cool button pod to sign up. Canada Sportsbook is Sports Interaction 19 plus. Please gamble responsibly. Craig, you've been in the meetings and you've been, you know, I guess in and around the Board of Governors your whole life. Does the GM ever sneak into a BOG meeting? It's, is it always the higher up executives? And what do you remember about 30 years ago? I heard it was Harley Hotchkiss that kind of orchestrated and they eventually found what turned out to be Gary Bettman. And for all of those who, or I understand at the beginning of time, oh, it's an American. He's from the NBA. Even Stan Fischler went, oh my God, a guy from the NBA. Okay, then you give someone a chance, whether it's a politician or whatever. In 30 years of 12 people, groups want to buy the Ottawa Senators. If we've gone from mom and pop selling shoes, you know, to a $6 billion business, and there's been some pain in 0405. I think people, especially in small market North America and Canada, should thank their lucky stars it was Gary Bettman. Or this wouldn't be a 32-team league. It would be a 12-team league with only the richest surviving and no small market hockey in Western Canada or small town USA. Like 30 years ago in that room in Florida, this has been a great ride. And I think for a lot of people, he deserves his due, Mr. What's your name again? Oh, yeah, Craig Button, Mr. Craig Button. He, he, here's what I would say to you, Steve, about uh, about Gary Bettman. And, you know, in January, it will be or February, excuse me, of 2023. It'll be 30 years and we'll celebrate 30 years. And so you think about when Gary came into the league as as the president, now commissioner. It was a very different time. It was, uh, you know, the economics of the league were changing rapidly, you know, and, you know, we saw, you know, you talk about Harley Hotchkiss in 1989, the, the Calgary Flames won the Stanley Cup with the highest payroll in the league. And, you know, and then quickly, and I say quickly, the economics changed, the, the economics changed real quickly. You know, Bob Goodno came in as the head of the National Hockey League Players Association, and he really got the players focused in on, hey, you need to you need to get your share of the pie. And I, I think from a labor management point of view, th th that's exactly what needed to happen. And there was push-pull. And you look at Harley. I worked with Harley. I, I was lucky. I, I worked with Harley Hotchkiss. And Harley Hotchkiss, you know, always was looking at the betterment of the league and the betterment of the game. He, he th th That's all Gary was, was, was after. Obviously, Harley came in and his team in Calgary was in a different spot. But Gary Bettman coming into the league, he had a vision. He had a vision about trying to grow it. Remember, he, he'd been part of the NBA who had grown. The NBA was dead. The NBA was dead. You know, and then it it, it came through in the in the in the in the mid-80s and really took off. Maybe a little bit earlier than that, you know, the bird magic, you know, uh rivalry, you know, but the, the NBA wasn't doing anything. That being said, I think that. Gary Bettman has done tremendous things for the game. He, he gets maligned. He gets criticized. You know that, Steve, for a lot of different things. All I know is this. 
There was never a major television contract in the United States until 2011. <laughs> 2011. So he's continued to bet. And and, and those t- TV deals are just grown. new jobs. I hear all the time about, oh, the salary cap and the salary cap. All I know is there's there's a lot more jobs in the league. So players, you know, understand that, like, whether that's 180 more jobs, whether that's 150 more jobs, we can do all the math on it. Those are players that should be thankful to Gary Bettman and expansion. (laughs) Because if not, they'd be playing somewhere else for a lot less money and a lot less benefits. Gary, to me, has been a tremendous leader in in in, in the National Hockey League. And I think going to markets in the U.S. and markets in Canada, you you nailed it. There's a lot of lot of teams that wouldn't be where they are today if it wasn't for Gary Bettman. And I'm talking about Pittsburgh, and I'm talking about Washington, and I'm talking about the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers and the Ottawa Senators. And those are just a handful of teams that I've mentioned. Buffalo, Columbus. Both sides of the border. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, the expansion that came in. I'm talking about long-established teams, though. Calgary, Edmonton. I mean, Ottawa came in in 92 just before Gary's tenure began. Washington and Pittsburgh, like we're talking about four Stanley Cups that they've that they've won since in, in Gary Bettman's tenor. Those teams in 05 were out. And so we can all debate what, what, what the economics of the system are, what they aren't. OK, all I know is this, is that under Gary Bettman's watch, the sport of hockey in, in both sides of the border internationally has grown tremendously, tremendously. And there's a lot of people that have benefited from it. Yep, and everyone has their critic. I mean, sometimes it's too much yep. with Alan Walsh and our Al Strachan. And it, Alan Walsh is on the side that what's good for his client is good for him. He doesn't care. And I kind of laugh and smirk because we talk on and off air that I know people who, let's say, are part of the rich teams. I know people who are Montreal Canadian fans and are from Eastern Canada. And they think for the economics of their team, it would be great if there was a luxury tax or a Nick Suzuki didn't count for the cap. The same people that I say, well, I mean, taxing Kerry Price and well, you got to do that. Like, I, it's funny how when it works for them, oh, they're a rich, like, you know where I'm going with this. And I think the listeners are smart enough to get, oh, well, in my life, I think that, you know, we should punish this group or these guys or, you know, you know, you know to make it all even, to make it even. Oh, but my, my Montreal Canadiens, yeah, there should be no, ta- there should be a luxury tax. And, oh, now it's, now it's a luxury tax and let the, the, the now let the strong survive. Hey, I get it. If you like the Rangers and the Flyers and those teams, I, I get it. You want a 12 team league? You want hundred? I we can do it. You could have done it, but the idea was as much as possible. Let's have thirty-two cars that all have access to the same engines, and let's see who wins by having the best driver. The ninety-four Ranger Cup, as you said, eighty-nine to ninety-four. They bought the cup. The Oilers were bl- hemorrhaging. Got to guys, got to go. Guy, guys, got to go. In eighty-nine, if I remember correctly, because I didn't know you were going to bring up, I think the Flames, I think Canadian, they still paid Canadian team players in Canadian dollars, and the U.S. and U.S. I think the Flames payroll, Greg, was about seven or eight million Canadian, and people went from uh, five million, five million. Okay, put it this way: it was under ten million U.S. Put your head around that. Suter and Newendike and Mullen and McDonald and Vern, like put your head. People were making 400 grand and then salaries tripled. I remember guys going Chelios and they went from 400 to 1.2. And we know why it happened. 
Wayne gave everyone a raise when Bruce McNall said, well, Wayne, what are you making? I think he was making 850 Canadian, the highest paid player in the league. Bruce said, no, no, that, that's no good. And how about 5 million US? So then people said, hang on, hang on. I'm half as good as Gretzky. Does that mean I get 2.5? And then the explosion and the players were underpaid. And for a lot of times, Alan Eagleson did a shitty job. And, and, and his no, record. No, let's be clear. E- Eagleson did do a shitty job. Let's be clear. Bob Good knows the guy that came in here and got it straightened out. Let's yes. be very clear. Alan Eagleson worked against the players. Yes. He worked against the players. So there, there's, I will not, I can't defend Alan Eagleson. Sorry. When you, when you do what you did to Bobby Orr, there is no defense for what you did. And we all know he served jail time. He was a criminal. Let's be very clear here. Criminal activity. So yeah. I like he's he not getting into this conversation. And there's nothing, nothing that I'm sitting here with giving accolades to, to Alan Eagleson for. Bob Good knows the one that gave the players the opportunity to say, you know, and his line was a, a, a rising tide raises all ships and boats of all sizes. And that's exactly where, and that's where Bob did it. And, you know, I, I just want to interject and, I, I, you know, and we you carry on now. <laughs> I just no, I was just going to say, if Alan Eagleson actually went by the book, he would have made more money. Like, you know, and people, books have been written about it. Bob pulled it back to the players. You know, Gordie Howe deserved more than a jacket and a $500 bonus for being Gordie Howe. So it went one way. Then, then the revenues were 53, 57% for the players. And then Gary brought it back. And it was about the greater, the greater good, whether you like it or not. The real truth is this. We went to a, you know, strikes and lockouts when the Vancouver Canucks team payroll was 44 million. Well, the Vancouver Canucks payroll now is doubled. Like they're, you know what I mean? Yes, McDavid could be making more in a wide open market, but there wouldn't, there wouldn't be the Oilers. And I think people have realized that. And what they, hey, we talked about Ovi earlier, wearing the black hat, right? Gary, in the minds of, I think, intellectuals and people who understand business. And I think more than the average fan knows, first of all, the booing is, is is so 2002 and second of all without that progression and growth could somebody else have done it well they didn't right they didn't gil stein wasn't going to do it other people had a chance to do it john ziegler it happened in the last 30 years imagine gary was your financial advisor and he said yeah well right now you got 400 bucks in the bank or four thousand. you say what well, it was 400 million 400 million has turned into six billion what's that growth but again anyone's portfolio do you want ef hutton or not like do you, do you want manual labor? like that's what it's been and for the year that was shut down it was basically saying this we're doing this and people believed them or they didn't i told you this story at espn i was gonna go to the big espn and call some games i said they're not playing this year they're not playing i'm at poker with gary and i know gary's not bluffing he hasn't even looked at his cards they're all in and the players blew it and they never get that money back. But whatever. It was like the great flood. And we're in a great spot for 18 years, as we mentioned earlier, Craig. So um, the excitement, the scoring, the skill, the international play. But people just refuse. You know, I can't give that guy credit because he's a Republican. Or I can't give that credit because he's a liberal. How about just give a guy credit or a girl if they do a great job? Best idea. And it's been great for 30 years. Um, not perfect, but it's been really good. Well, the thing about this, think about this. So you franchise values, you talk about investment. So teams come in and buy and then they sell. The Montreal Canadiens in 2001, you asked me about being a board of governors meetings. I've been a board of governors meetings. <laughs> I've been in some, with some really serious business. 
serious business being had. In 2001, 2001, Mr. Coolius, the Montreal Canadiens were for sale. And there was not one entity, individual or collective, prepared to buy the Montreal Canadiens in Canada. Stop and think about that for a second. Not one entity, individual or collectively, ready to buy the Montreal Canadiens. So, Gary Batman had talked to different people that might be in. Mr. George Gillette from Vail, Colorado. I was interested. Here's what we can do. Here's what we can do. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. You know, the late Bill Wirtz made us made a a, a, a a plea at the Board of Governors meeting. And this is how it went. And I could never do a Bill Wirtz imitation. He had the deep voice. But he, he said, uh, Mr. Bettman, he said, I remember many years ago, I was looking to buy a vineyard and a winery in France. And Mr. Louis Jadot came to me and he said, he goes, the French are known for wine, Mr. Wirtz. He goes, we need a Frenchman to carry on the tradition of the wine and and winemaking and wineries in France, not not you. And he said, I, he said, Gary, I think that we need to make sure that we have uh, somebody from uh, Montreal that can buy the team. And Gary said, Bill, Mister Wirtz, he said, I, I agree with you. He says, but we have exhausted all possibilities <laughs> for anybody to buy a team from uh, by the Montreal Canadiens. And this is why I present to you, Mister George Gillette. And Gary was so good, and he said, I would think that Mr. Louis Jadot, if there was no French buyers for the winery, he might have been accepting of your offer. <laughs> I think it was $185 million Mr. George Gillette bought the Montreal Canadiens and what is now known as the Bell Centre, and he sold it for $540 million. Hmm, tell me what that return is. The Ottawa Senators, rumors are that they could be the bids could be a billion dollars or more. The Ottawa Senators. Remember, you've bought houses. You know this. The house or your property isn't what you think it is or what you listed it for. It's what somebody's willing to pay for it. Ottawa Senators, billion dollars or more. And I get it. I mean, from a labor point of view, I understand at times. I understand the economic argument that Alan Walsh is making. I, I, I get it. I do get it. Right. But let's look at everything in balance. OK, so if we want a labor movement, like I said. What is it, 140 new jobs, 160 new jobs, 175 new jobs? Okay, so you've created jobs, you've created a platform, you've created an, you've created value. And this is could it be different and better somewhere? Yeah, it could be. But the NHL has grown by leaps and bounds under Gary Bettman's watch. And let's not and it's grown for everybody. Everybody. Yep. I'll finish with this. Steve Ludzik said we were playing the Detroit Red Wings. Their payroll back then was basically almost as high as the teams are now. Let's just say, for argument's sake, 65, 70 million. They wanted to put in a new bar in Tampa in the high rent district in the rink. So Stan Drulia, is that the guy? Remember that? Remember they had to cut a player, Rick Dudley and Ludzie. We had to cut a guy because that salary was going to go to the bar. The payroll of the lightning in the game was 66 million to 16 million. You want to go watch that? You 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 think that that's good for the Red Wing or the Lightning season ticket holders for the people watching on NHL Center Ice? What do people want? They want fair, competitive balance. And even with that, you're going to get Toronto seven and Anaheim nothing. 
But at least the Ducks, by managing their own team, have the access to the same drivers and the same engine. Before, it was not close. And there was no chance. And if you let Toronto, Montreal, Rangers, Flyers, and some teams roll freely, your franchise will, what's it called when two franchises go together? Cleveland and Minnesota. Merge. Merge, contract. Yeah, it's not going to work. So if you want to lose jobs to make more money here, because Alan, you've got the higher class, all that, what's better for the greater good? I believe in society. Operating in a free market and capitalism does work in the West. In an NFL scenario, you think the Green Bay Packers would still be around today if Pete Rozelle didn't save them? When they talked about sharing national television rights, the Packers can compete with the New York Giants? That's what he did. And guess what do they do to this day? They look up at Pete and say, thank you. How's that league had done overall? So this is what needs to be done for the greater. When we can agree or disagree, all I'm saying is we got to honor the December 11th, the February 1st, and what's happened? And at the beginning, was I jumping up and down that it was Gary? No, I thought, oh, what's going on here? But now, if you if we're going to give credit to, you know, uh, Tage Thompson or, or Connor McDavid or the progression of players, we got to give open and honest, you know, credit to what other people have done. And I'd say this much: I wish I put four hundred or four thousand dollars into the same growth fund over the last thirty years. As you know, Craig, the last few years haven't been so good for. Everybody. Buddy, I wish my rate. If people want the Ottawa Senators, what are the Leafs, Habs, and Rangers worth? I'll let people chew on that as you give us your final thoughts. I operated in two places under serious cap constraints. Before there was a cap, it was called budgets. And when our team went from Minnesota, remember our team from Minnesota, think about it. State of hockey wasn't viable. There was no NHL hockey in Minnesota for seven seasons. Seven seasons. Gary Bettman came in in February of 1993. And, you know, what was on his docket? Oh, by the way, the Minnesota North Stars are moving to Dallas. <laughs> Just so you know, Mr. Bettman. Like, this is already decided. Oh, okay. Like, isn't Minnesota a hockey state? <laughs> like, how's that happen? The economics don't work. And we went down to Dallas and we had some real challenges. And, you know, we, we we found a way to become competitive with our team. Mr. Tom Hicks bought our team. Jim Lights was our president, who was brilliant. And, you know, we were able to, to move forward. And, and we, we ended up becoming a, a, a real big spender. Here's why we were able to become a big spender. It wasn't because people were ready to come in and watch Wayne Gretzky come into Dallas or watch Yermer Yager and Mayor Lemieux. Fans in a city want to see their team do well. And if your team doesn't do well, they're not buying tickets. So this idea about, oh, yeah, well, you know, Wayne, well, great. He'll come in one night a year and that'll be wonderful. We'll sell tickets. We'll make a big deal. Out. But we're losing money every other night. Right. And 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 second to that, they want to have hope that their team can be good. I go to Calgary in 2000. You know what it was like? You know, 85 million was the Detroit Red Wings payroll, by the way, in the early 2000s. 85 million. We, our payroll was 30 million US. And you know what it's like in a, in a market when you're trying to, I mean, we had a Flames Forever campaign trying to save the team. Harley Hotchkiss led it, you know? And what are we trying to do? And then, geez, how are we going to be good? Well, why aren't you signing this player? How come we're not signing this? It was all economics, but people didn't, the people weren't excited about coming and watching Steve Eisenman and Sergey Fedorov. And they didn't pay the bills. 
We needed a team that was viable and that the fans thought could be viable. Keep that in mind. Fans will buy tickets for a product that they think is good and that has potential that they'll invest in it just like any other investment. Right. And if they don't see it, there will be no investment. Steve, somebody can come and present a great financial opportunity for you. And you look at it. Well, wait a second here. The balance sheet's a mess. They got all kinds of debt Their leadership. I don't believe in, right. I don't see anything. I'm not putting any money into it. It's the same thing with a sports team. It's the same thing with a hockey team. And so while we can all look at alternative systems, the system that's in place with 32 teams under Gary Bettman's watch has been a boondoggle, <laughs> has been a boon, not a boondoggle, a boon for everybody. I've benefited from it. You've benefited from it. Tell me who hasn't benefited from it. Could we talk about maybe greater benefits? Go ahead. Just tell me how. Don't tell me people haven't benefited from it because I certainly have. That's beautiful. I love it. Now, as the music comes in, I'd say this. And it's only, you know, yes, over the last few years, do you get to meet people and get closer and talk? And yes, I have with Mr. Bettman, and I can call him Gary. I think something like this, if I'm in Winnipeg and Gary's there, right, for a game tomorrow, next month, they put the camera on him and the 15,000 fans stand up. That Like, that would be classy. And I think Gary just, like, think about that. You're a Jets fan, right? And there's Gary on the screen with Bills at a game. And you just say, thank you. Because the real truth is this, he did a lot to be able to break, like the old system, right? You know, blame Shankaro, blame Gary. I get, I get it. They were hemorrhaging, you know, you buy the team folks and you lose your house and everything else. So anyway, um, it's just, it's food for thought. And you know what? The thing about a podcast or debates is there's many sides to a story and we can agree to disagree and smile and shake hands, whatever side of the economic or political fence that you're on. Bruce Bolton, producer, Craig Button, doing yeoman's work. Craig, I'm so proud of you. And I love how you love the hot toddy. I had one last night before I went to bed. Slept like a baby. I'm Steve Coolius. 101 is in the books. I think it is. We'll hear and see you at 102 around the corner. Ciao.